set the tone. Please record your podcast. When you are finished, let the fans download on Spotify and listen to the latest episode. Hello, everyone. Let's set the tone for the 24th time on this illustrious podcast. Yes, this is the Set the Tone podcast. You can follow along on Twitter at Set the Tone underscore pod. Again, that is at Set the Tone underscore pod. This show is brought to you by Cleveland Fishing Co. Check them out, clevelandfishingco.com. You can always fish the land, but you can rep the land too. Clevelandfishingco.com. Normally, this episode would be me licking my wounds over taking it on the chin with the Kentucky Derby, which I did, but when an 80 to 1 shot in Rich Strike hits the board, I don't feel all that bad because, oh, well, based off the payouts, I wasn't alone in not having them. The payouts are based off of a paramutual pool, so the larger the payouts, the less people had bet on the horse. What are you going to do? Sonny Leone and Rich Strike, who drew into the race on Friday, and if you remember from listening to the podcast as I was going through within the hour that Ethereal Road had scratched, I had recorded the podcast on a Friday and had mentioned Rich Strike, and what did I say? I should probably look into Rich Strike just to be safe. You look into Rich Strike, did have a win over the surface at Churchill Downs, but had ran, what, his last four races on a synthetic racetrack. I, I mean, he was, he was an 80-1 to one shot in the truest sense of the word. Sonny Leone was an 80-1 to one shot jockey who was riding at Belterra in Cincinnati just the day prior. The horse sat a perfect trip, got up the rail, had a rocket up his ass, and won the race. That's all there is to it. Now, today news comes out that Rich Strike and his connections are not going to race him in the Preakness, which is a blow in my opinion for horse racing. And that's the hardest part about trying to build the sport is that the inconsistencies, you don't know how the horse comes out of the race, and there's just no guarantee, like humans that you can continually run and run and run, and especially three races in about a six-week time frame, it's just difficult to do. Now, that being said, these are the races that draw to the casual audience. There are bigger races and better horses that'll run throughout the year. So, I don't know. And maybe there's not even that many of the people that follow horse racing, to be quite honest, that will even know that Rich Strike is not running in the Preakness in in now a week's time. And people tune in and they're surprised that Rich Strike is is not running. And therefore, in lies, people ask a question, well, why not? And you have someone who has to explain these are the reasons Rich Strike is not. So we'll see who points to running in the Preakness. Uh, We'll get a clearer picture in a few more days here. Uh, And then we'll dive into that. We'll handicap that and hopefully we make our money back. I'd love to see Secret Oath run in the Preakness. It sounds like she might. She was the winner of the Kentucky Oaks, who I did not pick. Unfortunately, had hidden connection there and had Mo Donegal in the Kentucky Derby. I go back to that race and just, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, and this goes for horse racing, this goes for any sport. But if you look at Mo Donegal, who wanted to sit back, and you look at Rich Strike, who sat back off the pace, had a trip up the rail. Sonny Leone let that horse run the race. The difference with Mo Donegal, with what I thought, who I 
still think had enough horse to win the race if he wasn't put out six wide going down the stretch because Irad Ortiz Jr., his jockey, had moved him to the outside. He tried to create a trip rather than wait for a trip. And that overhead angle, which was fantastic production by NBC to rerun the race with Larry Colmas's call and have an overhead angle for the fans to see how the hell did Rich Strike get up and win that race? Well, he had a perfect trip. No one took the rail from the back of the pack. And we had a blazing pace, which we expected. We expected a fast pace for closers to come in and pick up the pieces. Now, as blazing fast as it was, we did not expect. And when you have an extremely fast pace, when you have an extremely slow pace, as I believe Randy Moss or Jerry Bailey said after the fact, that is when crazy things happen. And that is exactly what we saw on Saturday, May 7th, with an 80-1 to shot winning the damn derby. It's why horse racing's fun, too. The unpredictable nature. I mean, you're not going... You can see 80-1 to shots when it tracks all over the country. All over the world. It's not something that you see on a day-to-day basis in regular sports. I mean, think of it like this. Buster Douglas was a 44-1 to shot against Mike Tyson. Right, There are improbable things that happen in the world of sports. I think, was I reading, there were some comparable, I think Lamar Jackson to lead the NFL in rushing is 80 to 1 odds. Uh, There was something with with a Shohei Otani stat at 80 to 1 odds as well. It's truly bizarre stuff that needs to happen in sports, in team sports in the traditional sense, in combat sports even. For it to pay off. Horse racing, it's not that uncommon. So if you can handicap and get a good, I mean, there are great odds. And now as sports betting becomes more and more prevalent throughout the country, maybe horse racing can somehow hitch its wagon to it, market itself, because there's some damn good money to be made if you have a winner and you can do it at a relatively cheap investment. All right, a $2 bet on Rich Strike returned about $164. $2 bet on him to win. 164 That's all it takes. The $2 exacta, dollar try, dollar super. You're in for hundreds of thousands of dollars. You're not going to get that in other sports. You're not going to get crazy parlays like that. I mean, you'll see, and here's a great thing that FanDuel does, is they tweet out big bets of wild bets that people have hit for the night. You know, for every one of those that they tweet out, how many people lost a bet, of that nature that night. Brilliant marketing because those are the bets where they make money. You get those 5, 10, 15, $20 wagers on exotic parlays that really never hit. They stack up, they accumulate, and you make some money. And sure, you have to pay out one every now and then. What happens? So we're recording this on a Thursday, typical here. It is NFL schedule release in about 90 minutes from now. Things are starting to leak a little bit. I'm not going to wait and bore you to say, let's break down some schedules because we already know who the teams are playing. It's now just about slotting them and getting those key primetime games. Kicking off the NFL season on Thursday night, the Rams will host the Buffalo Bills. So that'll be fun. Right, we see that there is a Seahawks-Broncos week one matchup. It's fun to get these little leaks. And I guess the big thing about it is right, people will plan some trips to know that they're going to go make a decision and say, all right, I'm going to go see Green Bay play whomever right in this city. And that's kind of the understanding, and that's why the schedule release is so fun because 
these one-time events, these one-week events are what makes it for the NFL fan. Unlike basketball, unlike baseball where the calendar's rolling and there's more games throughout the year, it doesn't have as much of an impact. But the NFL, again, is the marketing king of the world where they do a great job getting you interested in the product. Can't knock them. They are a marketing machine in every sense of the word, and they get you invested. I mean, right now we have, in now about a half hour's time, we have a pivotal game six, Sixers heat, good storylines. Does anyone care? Really good NHL playoffs going on right now. All right, the Stanley Cup playoffs. But the storyline of the day is the NFL schedule release. And further to boot of the NFL carrying the the lead for the week, how about Tom Brady signing a a 10-year, $375 million deal whenever he decides to retire with Fox Sports? That he's going to be the lead color commentator with Fox Sports. And when those figures came out reported by Andrew Marchand of the New York Post, I had to sit and think, is 375 for 10 years, you're at 37 and a half a year, is it worth it? Is it worth it to the fan who listens to this podcast, who's going to scroll Twitter all day, who's going to watch the game regardless to have Tom Brady there? Is it worth it to Fox? At what point is there zero return? Because I believe it's about $17 million that Tony Romo gets paid by CBS. I particularly do not like Tony Romo as a color commentator. I think there's just too much and the game does not breathe. Other people do like Tony Romo, but it seems that that $17, $20 million number where I know Troy Aikman went and got paid by ESPN, that's a bit of a happy medium. Now, the thing with Troy Aikman on ESPN is he'll probably do some crossover go on the radio shows. He'll show a little bit more, more worth in that way. Tony Romo does not really do any crossover for CBS. He doesn't show any worth outside of showing up to whatever stadium on Sundays and calling a game for 60 minutes. Tom Brady, the only way to justify and make sense of this deal is that Fox involves him in other avenues, whether it be on that the, the, the Dopey Mass Singer show that they show commercials for that I don't understand how it works, nor do I care how it works, but you see the commercials throughout the football and college basketball season. That show, if they get Tom Brady involved there, um, would, I mean, could they get Tom Brady involved in Fox News? You'd have to look and see what are the other avenues that Fox has, what are their client partnerships like, How do they entertain? Does Tom Brady get involved there? Do they try and take Tom Brady away from the match that he does a little bit? And does Fox try to create their own conglomerate or their little golf event? Does that become something for them to get some money out of Tom Brady? That's I have to imagine there are some damn good rights with Tom Brady here to make worth of that $375 million. Because on the surface, we the fan look at it and say, 
this is absolutely dumb money. I don't care how much you love Tom Brady as a fan, as a football player. We don't know how good he is as a broadcaster. We don't know if he's going to be any good at all. So you would think that they're immensely overpaying. And he could be the best color commentator known to man. Is a color commentator worth $375 million over 10 years? Probably not. So I would imagine, again, the executives at Fox are going to find some other ways to make it worth it. 10 years are over. Maybe we see that Tom Brady is a bargain. Maybe Tom Brady changes the way we look at color commentators from here on out. Or not that we, but that networks look at color commentators. ESPN, CBS, NBC. It's very possible that Fox is able to create unique ways to get him involved. That's something, right, that we kind of look 10 years down the road. And technology is in a really good spot now. Broadcasts, when we tune into a game, are in a really good spot right now. But think about from 2012 to where we are now, things have changed. For better or for worse, things have changed. And when you're on the cutting edge of that change is where you're going to make money. The one thing I don't love about this Tom Brady deal is I am someone who enjoys good analysis of a game and appreciates listening to, let's say, a Greg Olson. Let's say a Jonathan Vilma. Two guys with Fox who I think do an absolutely incredible job, who have put in a lot of time post-playing careers to color commentating and have excelled at every point thus far. What I hate to see is that Tom Brady sort of takes away from what they do, right? They'll still go and get paid, but they're not going to get paid number one money at Fox like Tom Brady is. And I mean, Tom Brady's making more than the number one money. But you have a chance to organically grow stars. There are certain people that we know in media who have become a fabric. Chris Collinsworth, damn good receiver in the NFL, but is really good at breaking down X's and O's. There's a lot of other nonsense that he says that people get a little bit fed up with, but we know Chris Collinsworth as a media personality, and he was organically grown by NBC. I thought Greg Olson and Jonathan Vilma had a chance to follow in similar sort of footsteps, and maybe they could have broke through and gone to ESPN. One could have stayed with Fox. At some point, maybe one goes to CBS. Maybe one does uh, NBC, maybe one does Prime, right? The way all that stuff works, and it just doesn't seem... And that's what I think is unfortunate, is because there are guys out there who do put a lot of time and effort in, and unfortunately, the way things work, you get superseded by Tom Brady. And that's the power of Tom Brady. It is. And who knows how long he wants to keep playing, right? He almost retired this year. He did retire, and had come back. So who's who's to say Tom Brady hangs on, hangs him up after this year? Maybe he hangs on another three years. We don't know. And maybe it creates an opportunity for Greg Olson or Jonathan Vilma to showcase themselves for a year or two that they have 
and get a better opportunity elsewhere. Maybe there is some silver lining to this. We just don't know. Right in the here and now, it's tough to tell and it's tough to take it in that spot. So that's kind of the football notes around the league. As the show goes on here, I do not know if there were any other schedule leaks or releases at this time. We know there will be some Christmas Day games. It looks like the Jets have announced that they will be playing the Ravens in week one. The Carolina Panthers week one with the Cleveland Browns. And isn't that interesting scheduling? Where has Baker Mayfield been rumored to go? Carolina. Whether it happens before the season, whether it happens during the season, because we don't know the Deshaun Watson suspension situation yet, if there will be a suspension this year, if there will be a suspension at all. But I'll tell you where there is suspense. Week 1, Panthers, Cleveland. The Colts-Texans is a week one matchup. Saints-Bucks is a week one matchup. Chargers-Raiders, Bears-Niners. As we scroll through the Chiefs-Cardinals, not a bad matchup here at all. Um, As I mentioned, Seahawks-Broncos is one. Home opener for the Bucks is the Green Bay Packers. Bengals-Steelers. Saints Saints home or Falcons home opener against the Saints. See what I mean? I just read through this nonsense and it's quite boring, if you ask me. So, anywho, we will move onward and upward as again, now just close to 90 minutes from the schedule release. So, I mean, it matters if you're a fan of a team. And then the best part about this is we will get go on, do me a favor. Go on Twitter tonight and just wait. When the schedule is fully released, or you could go to someone's Reddit page, a team subreddit, and just sit there and watch fans on May 12th, 2022, predict a schedule, an entire season that won't even kick off for most teams until September 11th, 2022. People will have an entirety of of 17 games figured out win, 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 loss, loss, win, loss, win, loss, loss, win, 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 loss. Need this one to get in the playoffs. This could be a fun game. And that is what fans will do on Twitter, on Facebook pages, on subreddits. And it is beyond me how someone comes up with their team on May 12, 2022 at 14-3. I think they could get a number one seed. If all goes well, 14 and 3. Realistically, maybe 10 and 7. But if all goes well, 14 and 3. It's not, I mean, isn't it a little too early? We can't just let it breathe a little bit. Say, yeah, that's neat. I mean, just, just, I mean, I like to look at the schedule. I like to know who the Miami Dolphins are playing. The only thing I'm going to predict for them is a 17-0 because I'm an irrational idiot. Because I talk myself up every single year that the Dolphins have a chance to be a competitive football team. Whereas since 2008, they've made the playoffs twice. Actually, 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 actually. Can't do math, so what I was just going to say is thrown out the window. But... The Miami Dolphins are due for the playoffs. See, I'll give you a prediction 
first week of September, when we're closer to the season, when we see how things play out, that makes a little bit more sense to take a look at the schedule and give your thoughts. But on May 12th, can we just calm down for a second? Please. You know, while I'm worked up, and this is kind of a two-part item, the transfer portal right now in college athletics. In part, the NCAA has brought this upon themselves by kicking the can down the road with these nil deals for so long, and the floodgates have now opened. But the way college players are now treating the transfer portal and just hopping from team to team like it's a professional sports free agency, I have to wonder how much of a detriment it is to to these athletes. To the athletes that have sights set on turning pro. Right? There's something to be said about professional development, athletic development, and personal development as a player. About a college lifestyle and staying, let's say you're a four-year Right, you're a four-year player, and that, and that's what your talent is. But you're good enough to get drafted, and you're a football player. Four years at one institution when things are are fine, and that and that's where the issue lies here is that things are fine for some of these players, and we're seeing some players go back to the school that they're attempting to transfer from because they can, and that's what I don't like is that everything's fine, and it does a disservice to, in my opinion. The university, who has spent time and resources on you. The donors, who have spent time and resources on you. To just go hop to another. And I think the part about... I mean, I spent four years at a university and enjoyed the hell out of it. Could you imagine just going from university to university year after year? For what? The fun of it? Because you get paid a little bit more? Is that what it boils down to I mean it's a mess for college athletics and it's tough to I mean this will create more parity but it won't see that's the issue is that let's take college football as an example you are not going to get those players transferring from Bama transferring from Clemson transferring from Georgia transferring from LSU Notre Dame right the top tier programs unless Right, just, a guy's not getting playing time because there's too much talent, and he just needs to get a shot somewhere else. Right, that'll stay the same. But where you see these guys transfer is take Pitt as a perfect example, and the name slips me right now, but the defensive uh, or the wide receiver there, Jordan Addison is his name. There we go. It came to me. Jordan Addison at Pitt, flirting with transferring to USC, flirting with the transfer portal, and not to say that he doesn't have reason. Some coaches have left. He loses Kenny Pickett. Right. You can make the argument that he has the right to transfer, but I'm using him as an example. I'm using a school like Pitt as an example. A team that has the chance to break through, and Cincinnati could be another good example. They're not a powerhouse in their college sport, but they flirt with being very good, and maybe maybe you get a senior class in there, and they break through. Because they've been able to stay for four years. They've been able to collectively get better together. Now you're going to lose that a little bit. So the parity 
while it might change teams 10 through 25, teams 1 through 10 are only going to get stronger. Right? Imagine if Sauce Gardner realizes his talents and he leaves Cincinnati. Why? Because, well, there's a better opportunity to get money at USC. See, that's the, that's the tough part about it. And that's the part that does not sit well with me. Now, again, to play devil's advocate to it, the NCAA hemming and hawing over this for as long as they did, this lies, I mean, this falls right on Mark Emmert's desk. And they are to blame for the mess that we are going to see over the next few years here. And there are going to be some growing pains. It's going to take a little bit more of an adjustment period. It is. That's what we're going to have to see for a little bit. I don't know. I mean, and this is me thinking how it's going to impact and affect college athletics. I hope it's not as detrimental as as I view it, but there's a chance that this happens and really there's probably going to be more disdain for the top tier programs. This could be in basketball, right? A lot of these guys that are at least good enough, they can leave. They can be a one and done in college hoops. So football is going to get the brunt of this. That's going to be the issue. College football, who already has a stranglehold at the top with a handful of teams, is probably only going to get stronger. Maybe you see some old school powerhouses come back. Texas, USC, perfect case here with the Jordan Addison thing. That's possible. So we finish up episode 24. It was a week of upsets. Rich Strike winning the Kentucky Derby. Um, Carla Esparza winning a title back from Rose Namajunas. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, a hell of a main card at UFC 274. Charles DeBronx Oliveira missed weight controversy, and he's now the number one contender. So he lost his title, although he won the title fight. But he missed weight. Half a pound. It does make a difference. Donald Cerrone, Joe Lozon rebooked for June due to illness. How about Michael Chandler? Up kick to Tony Ferguson's face. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, It was fun. More fights this weekend. More horse racing. But the Preakness in a week from now. NFL schedule release. NBA playoffs. Stanley Cup playoffs still ongoing. We will cover the PGA Championship. Get ready for that next week as well. All here. We will set the tone. Follow along on Twitter at setthetone underscore pod. Tweet at me. Give me your thoughts. Listen to the episode. Download it. Like. Subscribe. Do what the hell you got to do. We'll talk to you all next week.